Hello and welcome to Moving Kentucky Forward. I'm Bruce Maples, publisher of Forward Kentucky. We know that even though the midterms were better than expected for Democrats across the country, they were not too good for Democrats in Kentucky. The Republican redistricting did exactly what we suspected it would do. It knocked out a number of incumbents and candidates that were running for state office, especially the state house. One of the obvious targets of the Republican redistricting was Democratic women. It seems obvious they have a problem with strong women. One person, though, was able to overcome the redistricting and succeeded in getting reelected, albeit by a very small number of votes. I wanted to find out how this person was able to do this. So we talked with Sherlyn Stevenson, who's going back to Frankfurt in January. Let's hear from Sherlyn. So we're here today with Sherlyn Stevenson, who just beat the odds and won her last election by not too much. <laughs> no, Sherlyn, not Welcome all. to Moving Kentucky Forward. Hi, thank you so much for having me on, Bruce. So I think we need to call you Wonder Woman or Cardiac Sherlyn or something. Uh, yeah. You... You won in 2020 by how many votes? In 2020, I won by 930 votes. In 18, I won by 48 votes. That's the one I'm remembering. Yeah, that's the one that you're thinking of. So, yeah. So, 48 to 930 and then New District to 35. So, I have had quite a few people calling me Landslide Stevenson. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's actually probably accurate. That's a good deal. I, I think... Uh, calling you cardiac Sherlyn will be good too. So that, well, that's appropriate for me because in eighteen and last Tuesday I had uh, many heart attacks. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know. Yeah. So, okay, we all know, and I wrote about it a couple of days ago. We all know that the Republicans mm -hmm. drew the redistricting lines to get rid of Democratic women. I mean, that that was their goal. It was very and, obvious. And they succeeded in every race, as far as I can tell, except one. And that's yours. Yeah. And when I wrote about it, I said, Sherlyn Stevenson gets to say F you to all the Republicans in Frankfurt. So <laughs> I wanted to have you on so, for, so you could tell us. What did you do? I mean, was it massive amounts of money? Was it uh, lots no. of ads? Was it tremendous lit drops? How did you pull this off with a whole new district? Well, I, I have an absolutely incredible team. And some people think that I have an army. Um, it, it is it is a small but mighty group of people who just refuse to stop. Um, several of them are retired teachers. Uh, my husband, I say all the time that my husband is my greatest volunteer and my biggest cheerleader, you know, and we just have a really strong work ethic. So we knocked on over 24,000 doors mm. and mm. Um, we, as in not you and your husband, so you and the, the your team, entire team. The team. The team, um, you know, and we had a few people that came out three or four times. We had, um, you know, a, a lot of folks that just came out one time. Um, but for the most part, 
my husband and I, um, my dad was involved uh, off and on. They don't live here in Lexington. So when he could get down, he was coming. But that group of, um, you know, of, of educators, many of them were out every single day. Um, one of them definitely knocked over 4,000 doors herself. Wow. One of them was uh, not too far behind. Uh, a couple of them actually were not too far behind. So, I mean, just, just amazing. And they have now, they have been with me since 2018. So this was their third election with me. I think that they are excellent surrogates for me. Um, they, they know me really well. I am actually in a text thread with them that goes all day long, every single day. Sure. Um, so they know me really well and they can, they can talk about me and my platform uh, really well. And sometimes I think that they, they're probably better at talking about me than I'm about, than I am at talking about myself. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes it's really hard to talk about yourself in really positive ways. Um, yeah. But, the, but, the, but they're great. So we, you know, in 18 and in this race, there nothing couldn't, could not have not been done, you know, from, uh, the massive amounts of door knocks and having those conversations at the door. I mean, that, that is tremendous. There's nothing that replaces that. Absolutely nothing that replaces that. Um, but having direct mail, having digital ads, having, um, you know, people who write postcards, having uh, a strong social media presence, uh, just, you know, there, there's all of it. There, there are so many things that you do. It's like throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. But, yeah. you know, we all know that as people, we absorb information in different ways. And so you have to try to get to, you know, to these group of people, you have to try to hit them in all kinds of different ways so that they, they hear that and they see that. Um, you know, so we did a lot of things very similar to what we did in 18 and trying to get out and get to people, trying mm -hmm. to put name recognition in front of people. Obviously, we know, uh, I, I think psychology tells us that people need to see something at least seven times before the brain right. uh, realizes it. So, you know, newspaper ads, uh, again, you know, social media paid ads, as well as ads that pop up on as you're Googling something or you're reading the paper or uh, you're watching Hulu or Netflix and, and, and something pops up and, uh, and you have to see it. So there wasn't a, a tremendous amount of money um, put into the race. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's a decent amount of money and it, it honestly, it makes me ill because every time I write a big check, I think about how many hungry kids could eat for that amount of money. Right. And that really bothers me. Um, but you know, there, to, to my knowledge, there wasn't a super PAC behind me. Um, uh, there was a super PAC, uh, working against me and yeah. there were several other entities I know that were mailing, um, on behalf of my opponent and against me. Um, so there was definitely more money spent on their side. Uh, that's for sure. But I have said really often, nobody's going to outwork me and my team. They're just not going to. And, and I think that's what it was. So let me ask you, you said 24,000 doors knocked in what time frame? Are we talking since the primary, before the primary? Um, since before the primary, we actually started knocking doors and um, introducing me to new people before session was over last year. So mm -hmm. in, in early March, as soon as the weather was was palatable for all of us to get out, you know, we started and, and we knew we had all of these people that had to be introduced to me again. Right. Uh, brand new. Um, as you know, um, you know, it's not like people aren't just paying attention to the to Frankfurt and the General Assembly all the time. <laughs> so, right. 
So you don't get to be a household name per se. So just a lot of people that we needed to say, hey, did you know? Every 10 years after the census, the General Assembly draws new lines and right. they have been redrawn. And your new house uh, rep is Sherilyn Stevenson. And here's here's a little about about her. Here's the things that she fights for in Frankfurt. And here's how you get in touch with her. Um, so that was that was how we started. We started in the new dis- in the new parts of the district. And we just started with that message. And, uh, you know, when that was over, we just ran straight into persuasion and went from there. And then we had folks that stayed on persuasion the entire time through. And then we did, um, you know, some, some GOTV work at the end, but. So the district that you wound up with, I'm correct in saying it was redder than the one you had. Is that correct? (laughs) Yes. And yes and no. Um, Registration wise, it, it was very similar to what I had in uh, 18. But I think the old 88 had more suburban population than rural. And so there was a lot more rural in this. And as we know, rural voters and suburban voters um, are are not the same. So So when you did your door knocking, Mm -hmm. I, so I ran for office in 2014, so I'm somewhat familiar with yeah. field and door knocking and so on and so forth. And there are different opinions mm-hmm. about it, about how to go about it. Yes. So I want to ask you which strategy you use. There's the turn out the base strategy. So you basically only knock doors of people registered as Democrats and you really work at getting them to come out. And then there's the uh, I assume they're going to come out and I'm going after the middle uh, and, and, and the non-voters, I'm trying to get the people who don't vote to come out. So which strategy did you use or some other strategy? Um, it, it it was, it was mostly a, let's talk to anybody. Let's just talk to as many people as we can. Obviously there was some targeting in there. Um, you know, there are some people that are going to vote Republican no matter what, and, and, you Mm. know, you're never going to get their vote, but we also know that there are a lot of people out there who want to vote for the person, not necessarily the party. There's um, a lot of independent voters out there. So we were just trying to talk to to anybody and everybody that would listen to us. And we knew that in doing so, you you run the you absolutely run the the chance of having a door slammed in your face. Um, <laughs> it's been done. Uh, you know, was it the first time? Won't be the last time, I'm sure. So. Um, but again, I have some folks that are just really committed and, and they're, they're ready and willing and able to have really hard conversations. Um, there are Republicans on my team. There are independents on my team. Hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, the old 88th was pretty purple and this, so it, it translates, it, you know, my, my Eastern Kentucky heritage, I think translates really well to a, a district that looks like this, not, uh, you know, it, it's any never been Royal blue will never be Royal blue probably. Um, and, and I have really done my best to try to match the district and, and match what the people here want. I, I very much believe that the, the title that we hold is representative and that's what we're supposed to do. I'm not supposed to go mm. in there how, how I want to vote. I'm, I'm there to carry the voice of those people forward and represent them. And I've tried to do that 
to the best of my ability and, um, and, and feel like I have. And I, I feel like, um, you know, that jump that I was able to have from 18 to, to 20, that 900 and, and you know, right. by almost 900 votes, I think obviously there were a lot of people who watched, watched how I conducted myself and the way that I voted and, and they felt comfortable in, um, you know, in, in voting for me. That's and a I fascinating think- thought. I'll be, I will be watching in 2022 <laughs> to see yeah. if you have the same yeah. You know, incumbent jump. So um, we'll see. And, you know, the thing it was something that was difficult um, is obviously we did not we did not have precinct level data from 20 here. Right. I, think, I think Louisville folks maybe did, but I don't think anybody else in the state did. So I have no idea where those increased votes came from. Mm which is really interesting. So we were just kind of, we, you know, we were kind of flying blind in that, but, um, but the large bulk of the votes did come actually from my legacy precincts. I kept 16 precincts and they are very populated here um, around where I live in that, that Hamburgish area. Um, and, and then obviously I had a town branch, which is heavily populated back at the end uh, of uh Right. Easttown Road here in, in Lexington. And then, you know, Georgetown is pretty populated. I did not win a single precinct in Scott County, but there were many that I lost only by single digits. Well, and considering that those are all uh, pink or red, we feel like we did a pretty dang good job. Yes. So let me ask you a question. Did the campaign change? Did the feel on the on the street change after the Dobbs decision? A little bit, a a little bit it did. Um, You know, I have been somebody, I have voted consistently in the house, um, but I haven't been super vocal uh, about that. Um, And, and I felt like it was time that I really needed to, um, to, to make that change. And so I, I, told everybody on my team, you know, you, if, if you're at a door and you're comfortable talking about it, then talk about it. Mm. Um, you know, and I think every, every woman has a story. Every woman knows someone and in special circumstances that, um, you know, has almost died from, from an ectopic pregnancy. Um, just, you know, every scenario that we can imagine. Um, one of my super volunteers, um, lost a, uh, her very first baby and it had, um, you know, a big genetic defect and, and there was a great possibility that her next baby, uh, would have one. And so she was pretty open about talking about the fact that, you know, back, back then she didn't get to know, but if the situation were reversed now, you know, would she choose to have a baby that she knew was going to live in pain for two days? You know, she would say probably right. not that she would choose to spare, uh, you know, that. And, and so, you know, it's it's just a very personal decision. And so I think I gave the freedom to my volunteers to to make that personal to them and make that that choice, you know, how they wanted to talk about it. Um, but the big, big thing for me and I, and I told everybody, you know, if, if, if you get questions about it and you're uncomfortable, please have them call me. Listen, my phone number, my personal cell phone number went out on every single piece of that literature. Wow. And um, so just tell people to call me and, and, and we'll talk about it. But having exceptions is a big, 
big deal to me personally. Um, you know, uh, everybody can feel how they want to feel uh, about abortion in any other way, but making children have children or, um, you know, being okay with women dying is, I'm not okay with that, with either scenario. When you were knocking doors yourself, did it come up much uh, it did. in that, in those door knocks? Um, it did. It did. Uh, and obviously because of the, because of the amendment, we talked about it a lot. A lot of people were really worried about it. Um, and here's, here's a story that I will tell. So in 18 and 20, when you would talk to people, we got the question a lot and it would be, you know, you'd knock the door, you'd give your little spiel. And so many people before they would ask any question, what are you? Are you a Democrat or, or, or are you a Republican? Yeah. And when I would say I'm a Democrat, sorry, we don't vote for Democrats in this house. This time around, almost every single time that the question was asked and we said Democrat, the answer was, thank God. I mean, it, it completely changed. It, it was blowing, it was happening to all of us. And it was, um, it, it was really interesting. And, and people would then go on and, and their explanations would be varied. Um, but it was really interesting that that was a big change. And, and I think that the Dobbs decision had a lot to do with that. Hmm. So if you were advising, mm-hmm. um, Kentucky Democrats or a new Democratic candidate or whatever, mm-hmm. what advice would you give them for winning in Kentucky as a Democrat? Well, I think the first thing is, you you know, you have to be willing to work really, really, really hard. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I did not know it was possible to be as tired as I have been mm. um, after last Tuesday. It I wasn't sleeping. Um it, it was really stressful. And so you have to be, it, it is almost a full-time job to run for office in a district like this. And that's, I, I'm not going to blow smoke up anybody's, you know, behind about it. You got to be willing to work really hard. You got to be willing to do the work to get out and talk to people, but you also got to be willing to do the work to raise the money. You have to have money. Um, and, and, and I hate that. I hate that. But in order to be competitive, again, you have to be able to do all of the things. There are there are none of those things that can get left out. You have have to do mail. You have to do digital. You have to do all of these things. But, you know, you have to find a team that's willing to help you. You can't you're never going to get it done if there's three people that are willing to knock doors for you. And so that is a message to candidates. But that is a message to Democrats period. If we're going to gain seats in the house and try to work back toward a majority at any point, people have to put down their computer, put down their phone, get off of social media and get out in the field and put their boots on the ground and help candidates. Good. Yep. All right. So um, I'm thinking that I need to go downtown to the place that makes signs. There's a shop downtown that makes all the badges for Metro yeah. council members yeah. and, you know, candidates uh-huh. and all this stuff. Yeah. It's this nice brass looking thing, even though it's plastic. Uh, and I'm thinking I need to go down there and get a name thing, a name plate for your door in Frankfurt, something like, you know, Superwoman Stevenson or uh, Sherilyn the Mighty or something. I would appreciate that. I would display it proudly. <laughs> <laughs> I may, I may just do that just for the fun of it. So, 
I won't ask you tough questions like who's the leadership going to be and so on and so forth. That's all yeah. yet to be determined. Um, and, and, you know, we all know that you're going back to even less power than you all had before. Um, I will say this. I don't know if you have checked out our bill tracker that we run during the session, but it has a statistics thing on it that I thought was interesting. It, it, it divides up how many bills pass that are supported only by Republicans, how many bills pass where the sponsor is a Democrat, and how many bills pass that are bipartisan, that have both sponsorships. And in the last session, the number of bipartisan bills actually went up. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. And maybe, you know, maybe that's a good sign for the future. Yeah. I hope so. I really hope so. Um, you know, I believe that the people of Kentucky, even though we are divided and there's a and there's a, a clear divide on that. But I, I think I think if people really got to vote um, the way that the way that they really are, I think these maps obviously slant um, our General Assembly. And so. But I, but I think that ultimately people vote for us to go to Frankfurt to work together to yep. move our state forward to, you know, not necessarily for a progressive agenda, but they want to see progress. They want to see us moving forward. They want to see us doing positive things for themselves, for their families, for their communities. And I think it's a huge disservice to the public when we go there and just dig our heels in to try to stay in a, in a silo. Um, I think we have got to try to do a better job of finding consensus and building bridges where we can, um, you know, and that there's always going to be those wedge issues that that really separate us. And obviously in election years, which, you know, we have three out of out of four, <laughs> three yeah. out of every four years is an election year. And so those things are always going to pop up and and, you know, be used in a, in a political way for just that reason to to be divisive, to, to give talking points and and things like that. But we really need to do a better job of, of, of trying to come together and and do what people want. And I think two things that are very, very much at the top of that list when when you look at the landscape I think Kentuckians overwhelmingly want to see a medical cannabis bill. And I think uh, they also overwhelmingly want to see us pass sports betting. And the fact that we have one chamber that refuses to hear either bill is a dab burn shame. What was the What was the second thing? Sports betting. Sports betting. Okay. Well, I mean, yes, both of them poll like in the 90%, like 90% of Kentuckians want those things. And the fact that we are not delivering on that for Kentuckians is. Yeah. No, it's painful. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a, it's a small minority of the state, but it's a majority caucus that yep. blocks both of them. Yeah. And it's yeah. across the aisle. It's not just Republicans, although they seem to do it more. Yeah. All right. So I want to throw one last question at you. It's one of my favorite questions to ask any legislator or okay. candidate. So you're going back to Frankfurt in January. Yep. So I'm, I'm giving you a giant magic wand yes. and you can do anything you want. There's nothing, there's no time, money, nothing. So if you had that magic wand, what would you do in January in Frankfurt? Oh, my goodness. 
there are so many possibilities. Well, really, name I, I know I would really need to think about that, but um, I would be sure that every single person had excellent health care. Mm. That, that, that would be, you know, probably my biggest thing because a healthy Kentucky gives us to a lot of other things. Um, you know, um, but first and foremost, if we don't have our health, we don't have anything. So I, I would want every single Kentuckian to have excellent health care. That, that would probably be my, my big thing. And then, Oh goodness. I try to do something to take care of our teachers and to, and to, to protect public education. Um, you know, I, I, I just hate seeing what's going on. Um, our teachers are so overwhelmed. They do not feel supported. Many of them will tell you they do not feel supported by their local administrations and they do not feel supported by the general assembly. Um, and I just hate that because they, our teachers are amazing. They do so much. They put up with so much. The future of Kentucky is in their classrooms right now. And we have mm -hmm. got to find ways to attract and retain the best and the brightest. Um, you know, our students don't deserve anything less. But again, that's the future of Kentucky. That's our economic development. That's our doctors. That's our nurses. That's our that's our police officers and our firefighters. You know, everybody and I, I do not begrudge anyone who sends their children to private school. I think it's wonderful if you can give kids uh, that opportunity and you choose to do so. But I think that we have a con constitutional obligation to provide a, a, an excellent system of common schools. And it is absolutely my goal that Kentucky offers a world class education to every single student, no matter where they live, where they come from, how much money their family has. Good. Those are two good things. Um, and you, I, you're right. If, if I had a magic wand, there's a whole bunch of other things I might throw in there too. But if we could start with those two and the medical marijuana and the sports betting, let's get those in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like having access to excellent medical care and health care, for me, that includes the ability, you know, people having access to medical cannabis, because there are, uh, you know, I, I believe that there are absolutely things that that is the best medicine um, that patients could could have to ease suffering, to ease, you know, just a, a, a lot of their ailments. And it's criminal that we're withholding it from them. Sherlyn Stevenson, Wonder Woman, thank Cardiac you, Sherlyn. So thank you for being with us. And good luck in January. May have you back on to talk about what things are like once you Okay. I would be more than happy to do so. Thanks, Bruce. All right. All right. Bye. That was Sherlyn Stevenson, recently reelected to the Kentucky House. We thank her for her time and her honest answers, and especially for giving us insight into how she pulled off that election, even as narrow as it was. Perhaps all of us can take some lessons from the things she shared. Our next show uh, is going to have Robert Connie back on. Uh, he did a show with us last week analyzing the election results, and we realized when we had stopped recording that we never talked about the mayor's races or the judicial races. So there's still some things to unpack about the election. So we'll have Robert Connie on uh, next week. If you want to see more of these, you can go to our channel on YouTube. Or you can go to the website and look under the media pages 
and we have a page for Moving Kentucky Forward as well as our other media offerings. That's all for this week. See you again soon.